This week's episode is brought to you by Uncanny Creative. Jordan, what's Uncanny Creative? Uncanny Creative connects talent like copywriters and designers with Utah businesses who are in need of a little extra help. Let's say you're in marketing and you're working weekends on an upcoming brand refresh. The problem is you're a few designers short and you can't spare any of your time to shower, let alone find freelancers. All of our creative talent are pre-vetted by industry pros and ready to get to work. And because we handle time tracking and invoicing on our end, you can try out different creatives until you find the best fit. No commitment, no awkward breakups, no creepy LinkedIn stalkers. You can visit uncannycreative.com to learn more. Well, I'm going back to you. Welcome to Utah Famous, a podcast about the people, places, and history that make Utah so unexpectedly awesome. I'm Sarah, a Utah transplant with Canadian roots. And I'm Jordan, and I'm a Beehive State native. Hey, Jordan. (laughs) Hi, Sarah. What's up? (laughs) How's it over at your house? It's great. It's uh, the same thing every day. Yeah, a little bit of Groundhog Day. Mm Mm-hmm. We are getting... Uh, we're, I mean, now we're, we're totally used to it, but yes, every yes. once in a while it hits me. Like when you texted me and said, can we record tomorrow? And I was <laughs> like, didn't we just record? And I know, right? Well, I, I couldn't guess that believe. means time's going faster, right? Than, yeah, I guess that, yeah, thought. I guess it's like you kind of get, have gotten used or I've gotten used to it. And so yeah. time does seem to has right, right. been moving faster, but yeah, it's still crazy. How's your house? Good. Same old. Same old. Um, You've yeah, been we posting are... some really good um, cooking or baking. Yes, concoctions. I have been baking probably like too much, if there is such a thing. Never. But I don't know if you follow on Instagram female foodie. She's from Salt Lake, as far as I can tell. I know, <laughs> and I feel I know like that name, but I'm not sure her. if I follow her. Yeah. yeah. I feel like everyone has already been following her, and I just discovered her. But yeah, yeah. she posts a lot about restaurants and good places to eat, like all over the country, all over the place. And now, oh, cool. during quarantine, she's doing like recipes from restaurants and she's making them and doing insta stories showing how to do it and then posting the recipe on her site is she is she like a cook or a baker or like she usually is just reviewing other people's food honestly i'm not too sure because i feel like i just came into this (laughs) and right now she's baking and yeah and right now she's in the kitchen so she i'm not sure i need to look into her background a little bit more but it's been like super fun watching her like bake and cook all these uh, recipes from restaurants that she's been to that and some of them, most of them I've never heard of, which is kind of cool. But like she made these, oh, what was it? Sea salt, brown butter, butterscotch, Rice Krispie treats. Ooh. Yeah. From... um a pizza place in Portland and the name of it is escaping me right now. Okay. But oh my gosh, I I was like immediately like put butterscotch chips on our shopping list. <laughs> Next trip we're picking those up. Yeah. Um, and they were so good, like kind of interesting flavor, but really good and so I definitely 
recommend that. Was um, that the one that had the chocolate on the top? That was like a br- oh, brown. Oh, no. So I made okay. Nanaimo bars. So that's what? a Canadian oh, dessert okay. that I totally grew up with. And I just went on Pinterest and there's like a billion recipes. And I basically just picked one that I had all the ingredients for. Nice. Um, but yes, Nanaimo bars are so Wait, good. What are the na- what's the name? Nanaimo. Nanaimo? Bars. Yeah. Okay. So there's a city in British Columbia, Canada called okay. Nanaimo. And so that's oh. where they came from. But yeah, it's like a crust. The bottom is like chocolate and coconut and graham cracker crumbs and nuts. Kind of, I put them in my food processor to break them down a little bit. But you, And butter and you make the bottom part and then there's a custard in the middle and then you put chocolate on top melted chocolate on top and it's insanely good and Mm -hmm. (laughs) i definitely recommend pinteresting that how long does that that like that seems like a process it's not bad because it's a no-bake dessert. Okay, right. So, okay, so you make the bottom and then you – this is what I did. I You stick it in the fridge to kind of cool down and then you make the custard. And you need stuff like custard powder, which is not super common here. So mm-hmm. I well, just ordered it online before. So that's – I think how you can get it. I'm sure maybe Harmon's or something has it. I feel like Harmon's would have it. But – yeah. And then, you, yeah, you just make this custard, which is kind of frosting-like, but not as sweet, but sweet. <laughs> right, So that, right. that goes in the middle, and then you, then I stick that in the fridge, and then I make the chocolate. You just mix it with some butter and put it on top, but I always mess that layer up, <laughs> and I'm sure there's some... Trick how do you wait? Do how, it, right? What do you mean you mess it up? I mess it up because I think you're supposed to like let it cool a little bit, but then I like panic that it's gonna harden if I let it cool a little bit. So I put it on top, and then it kind of clumps because it's hot. Oh, and you're trying to move it around. I right? always mess that up, and so then I eat it anyways because it still tastes good, <laughs> right? Right, ugly, not as pretty. But, okay, and then. Yeah, I posted a picture, but I like found the best piece in the pan. It looked to take it a looked amazing. I was it's so like delicious. super impressed. Yeah, you should for sure look that up if you want to try something new. All you Americans out there, look up the the, uh, the nano what Nanaimo Nanaimo Yep, Nanaimo bars. I thought it was like someone's grandma. It was like Nana Naimo. Oh yeah, I could see that. Nanaimo. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Well, we have been baking a lot too, but not nearly as we've just been doing regular old chocolate chip cookies and snickerdoodles and no bake cookies. We're really into cookies over here. Yeah. Um, But I have a bone to pick with all of these cookie places that are selling cookies like Crumble and. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and chip and yes. what are the other ones? There's Ruby so, Snap. Yeah. Yeah. For like the three people that listen outside of Utah, which are my three relatives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, probably Break yours it too. Down. But yeah. they, um, there's lots of cookie places here that do delivery to like one in the morning or something. But oh, wow. you can like order hot cookies 
And they have actual like brick and mortar locations too, but you can just order them on their website and they'll come like pretty fast. And they're like, they always have like really fancy, like there's like a s'mores cookie and then there's like a Twix cookie and, and, and a key lime cookie. And there was one that you like, we used the lime juice over the cookie and it was really good. There, I mean, there's some really good cookies, but my bone to pick with all of them one is that their cookies are too sweet. They're just ah. like it's almost it's almost over it's it ruins it a little bit. Too like much. You almost can't taste the flavor of oh, the caramel okay. or anything because it's just it's so much sugar. Yeah. Um my other complaint is that they use milk chocolate usually instead of semi-sweet oh, or dark yeah. which adds yeah. to the sweetness and then it's like right. it to me, it just, it's so sweet. It makes me like I need to, you know, lick some dirt after because, and you right. can't even, I can never finish a whole cookie. And usually, usually we like cut them all up. So everyone gets like yeah. to taste a little bit. And it's like after two pieces, I am out because it's yeah. just, they're good, but they're just so sweet. So I would, I just, can they just like back off on the sugar a little bit? Like it's okay. <laughs> Like overdoing yes. it is not always a good thing, right? And they're pretty decent size too. Oh right? yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're huge. They're like, like they're not Levan size, but they're no. close, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're I don't even know. I don't know. I swear they're like four inches wide at least. Yeah, they're big. Five inches wide. I don't know. They're big. And anyway, they're really good. And I love all their flavors. And I think they're super creative. But their milk, their regular chocolate chip cookie should always be semi-sweet and not milk yeah. chocolate. Yeah. And their other, like just in general, I think they use too much sugar. There you go. Yeah. There There's my is. dirt. There's my, right. my tea. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we actually hard. I hardly ever. We don't go there very much because I think we make better cookies than they do. We don't get as oh. fancy, but I think ours yeah, taste yeah. better. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but uh, other side of it, since we've been eating a lot of cookies, we have. <laughs> but I did get a new road <laughs> Gotta bike. Gotta work those off. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I usually so we have a Peloton bike which we bought on. KSL, which I highly oh, recommend nice. if you want a Peloton yeah. bike, look on KSL because we got it. This one was brand new and it was the guy. I don't know. He didn't know what he had. He sold it for <laughs> like a thousand dollars less than what you can actually Whoa. get it for. But anyway, nice. um, so we'll look on KSL, but I've loved my Peloton bike. My husband is a super avid cyclist. He's like, right. he rides like 5,000 miles a year. He's a little Ooh. crazy, but, yeah. um, I wanted to get a road. I had a road bike and it was actually two sizes too big. And so like my arms would go numb and it was uncomfortable. And so um, we finally we sold that like last year. And then we, you know, during all of this, it's like, well, let's get a let's buy you a bike now. We can get you can get out a little bit more. And and um, and it's great because there's like less cars on the road. Oh, yeah. Seriously. Technically, I actually haven't been on the road yet because I don't love going on the road. But the bike has um, clip-in wheels. And so Uh I have my shoes like clip into the pedals. I mean, not wheels. (laughs) I have the the clip-in pedals. And I um, was trying them out for the first time in front of our house. And I tipped over. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. So I have a really good bruise on my oh. knee or just below my knee and a good a little bit of road rash. And I was oh, about man. to be like, all right, I'm done. Let's take it back. <laughs> but anyway, today we went up to Farmington and let my parents babysit the kids for a couple hours. And we went on and did Legacy Trail. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Which was Is that really just fun. on the freeway, the Legacy yeah, it's just like next to runs next to like uh legacy the other highway. Well, I fifteen, yeah. but then there, there's also that legacy parkway. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's great because it's a just a paved trail and there's bikers and you know uh, joggers or whatever on it. But it, yeah, today but not luckily, yeah, it was it's and there's like farmland around it and yeah. today wasn't too hot because it was kind of yes. drizzly. But um. Yep. Anyway, got my first ride nice. in on my bike. I didn't tip over. <laughs> Everything was well good. Done. We'll see what happens when I ride on the road and I come to my first red light. I'm a little nervous about it, but oh yeah. Anyway, that was it. a new <laughs> fun thing to cool. that happen during all of this. So nice. I like yeah. that. Sarah, have you? I haven't watched the Skin Walker Ranch show we talked about it a little bit you said you had maybe watched a couple episodes Uh uh-huh i've watched two episodes so for people that don't know one of our first episodes maybe our third was about skinwalker ranch in the uinta basin um out by vernal right yeah and your husband daniel came on to talk about it which was super cool one of our most listened to episodes. Um, and so history channel, uh, was, is, was putting out a show about Skinwalker Ranch. And so of course I wanted to tune in to see what it was all about. And it's like a reality show. It's not like scripted or anything like that. It's real people. Um, and, I didn't really like it. Oh, and I feel bummer. bad saying that because I was kind of excited to to watch it. Um, right. Did you feel like our episode taught you more anyway? Well, I learned. <laughs> I'm glad I knew about it going into it. Um, yeah. But I'm, to be honest, I'm a, kind of a skeptic about those sorts of things. Yeah. And so totally. I kind of wanted a show that really took things seriously and was a little more legit than the show that I think is on the History Channel. It feels a little contrived. Um, I don't know if you know who Brandon Fugel is. He, um, I don't you think might so. have seen his name. Uh, like I've seen his name on real estate things. He's a oh, realtor of some yes, sort. Yes, yes, so you'll yes. see his name on everything. So it turns out he now owns Skinwalker Ranch. Oh. And so um, they bring out this scientist to come and test some claims on the ranch. Okay. But I wish it was more like documentary style and not so contrived feeling. It's kind of like theatrical almost. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, you happen to be there, you know, when this happened, you know. Right, and right. he's a skeptic, kind of, but not really. And like, simple things that they're like, what was that? And 
my husband and I were watching it like, well, that was just a reflection on something, you know, like. Right, I right. Don't know. They're trying, like, they're like trying to make, in, instead of being more like factual and like tell the story yeah. about it, they're like trying to kind of like make something happen on camera. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I was worried about that. Yeah. And it's like, we camped out here all night, but like. All the footage is them like wide awake and all this stuff. We're like, wait, <laughs> nothing you happened. Were here all night, and you guys don't look tired at all. You know stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so I, we only watched a couple episodes to see how it would go, and wasn't really our cup of tea. But I can see how people would like it. But yeah, yeah if any if anyone's watched it, I'm really curious to hear what other people think. Yeah, about totally. it. But. I know. I don't know why we haven't. I will. We've been watching. I think I said this last time we've been watching World War Two documentaries. Oh, cool. because I don't know why you want to watch something depressing during a depressing time. <laughs> but we just well, want to pile yeah. it all on at once. Yeah. Sure. But anyway. Um, but yeah, we haven't watched it yet, even though I and maybe um, I mean, I think Daniel would be interested, but maybe he's kind of yeah, like, and well, I already know. I already read two. the book. Yeah. But, Just to yeah. kind of test the waters. But I don't stuff. like that either. I don't like there. Well, have you? Did you ever see that? It's probably similar. Did you ever watch the big the Bigfoot show? <laughs> no. I can't remember what it was called. It was something was like. Was it also on History Channel? Because I have a I feeling like probably, all the shows on History Channel are kind of like this. Probably, and it was just like every episode. Obviously, nothing happened, and you know yeah. that because <laughs> you haven't heard it in the news that they found yes, Bigfoot. Like you know, it's, it's like yeah, right. And but it's 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 like. An episode or two is fun to watch, and then they just kind of become super repetitive. Yeah. Um, but it was fun to hear the stories of, like, in this area, you know, there's been these many sightings. and Yeah. But then it's really annoying when they're like, and then it's like a cameraman <laughs> hiking in the woods. And yeah. you're, it's just like, you and, and they're nothing like, yeah, happened. Same. like yeah. what is that? What was that sound? What was, you know, yeah. and then they hear like a howl and they're like, could that be a wolf or was that, the, you know, and it's just like, it gets <laughs> yes. really stupid. Yeah. So I, it is probably similar to that. Yeah. I bet it, I bet it that was on history channel too. Yeah. I, we haven't watched it oh, in a probably. long time. But you, yeah, I kind of want you and Daniel to watch a couple episodes just to hear what you guys think. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. I hope you're super ready for this week's episode. Totally. Um, so last week, we talked about how I had gone to the Bonneville Salt Flats. So yeah. this week, that is what my episode is on. I love it. Awesome. Okay. I, I'm so interested because I, I kind of know a little bit about them, but yeah. I don't even think I learned about those salt flats in school. We like live in Utah. In like Utah history, they don't cover the salt flats? I don't think Probably so. Probably not. I, I mean, you know, I wasn't paying attention, yeah. but I don't think so. So, okay, a little history behind its name since I, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of things in Utah are named Bonneville. Yes. Um, so the history behind the name is that um, during the fur trapping era of the 1820s and 1830s, there were many fur trading companies that operated in and around Utah. And in 1883, trapper, trader, explorer, and legendary frontiersman Joseph R. Walker had mapped out and explored the area around the Great Salt Lake and the Salt Flats um, while working for a fur trading company run by Captain Benjamin L. E. Bonneville. So in hmm. those 
days, explorers and trappers, they would often name like significant landmarks after their employers, like maybe to gain favor or better wages. Okay. So yeah, so the salt flats were named the Bonneville Salt Flats. Although this is funny, there is no historical record to show that Bonneville himself ever saw the area that is named after him. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Um, And so Bonneville Salt Flats, and we know that Lake Bonneville is um, also named Bonneville. Um, So it's all, I find it funny, and all these companies and stuff that use Bonneville are kind of named after this guy who maybe never even came here yeah (laughs) or at least to the salt flats um so the bonneville salt flats are located 110 miles west of salt lake city close to the nevada border so like i said my family we visited the salt flats a week or so ago and for us um it was about like an hour and 45 minute drive to get there so it's right along i-80 um And it's not too bad of a drive. Um, And then we ended up going to Wendover, Nevada, which is like 20-minute drive from the main rest stop at the flats. So it's pretty close to the Nevada border. Um, Right. There is... What's interesting is there's a soft soft shoulder along the flats. So, like, basically, I think you can just, like, drive off the 80 and drive right onto the salt. Um, like you can oh. see tire, like tire tracks just off the freeway, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, at the rest stop, you can just drive out there if you want. It's just kind of weird. You don't really expect that, but you can. Um, so water. Okay. When it rains, water will sit on the flats so it looks super cool. Like, I don't know if you've seen pictures of people where it, like, looks like they're walking on water or whatever. Yeah, because yeah. it's a few inches of water. Um, right. But it looks like it's this massive, because it's so flat, it's just this massive uh, body of water, but it's really only, like, a few inches deep. But right. it can also be a trap for cars getting stuck. Right. It, I was going to so, ask. <laughs> yeah. That happens all the time. Um, when, you were, when you were walking along on it, were your feet sinking or was it hard enough? Well, we weren't – it wasn't wet when we were there. Okay. I've never and been there when it's been wet, so Did you, like, even sure. leave footprints? No, not really. No. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, though, if you drive on it while wet, it can damage the salt crust that's on top. Right, so, right. like when we were driving up, so there's like a median in between eastbound, westbound uh, I-80, and there's salt like in the middle on the median and a little bit on the other side, but like there was a car in the median totally stuck <laughs> in salt, like all four tires. So like it oh, looks no. deceiving sometimes because you're like, oh, it looks fine, but you don't know kind of what you might be getting into yeah how, so, how wet it is and if you're gonna yeah, exactly sink into so it. but, but you can go on it technically yeah, when it's dry yeah. yep um and also salt can corrode your car so right right keep that in mind as well um but the land is public land managed by the bureau of land management so it's access is open to the public 
But they also have a leave no trace policy, which includes do not drive on the salt flats when they are wet or flooded from uh, precipitation. Right. You um, come prepared. So like in other things, it talks about like bringing water and sunscreen and protection from the sun. Right. And then travel and camp on durable surfaces. Although I don't, I saw something else that said you can't camp overnight. So I'm not sure which Hmm. is the accurate one. Right, right. Okay. Um, Dispose of waste properly. Leave what you find. Minimize fire impacts. Respect wildlife and be considerate of other visitors. When we were there, we did see like... Yeah, we saw like dog poop out there. No, and it's like come on, clean up after Bull. your dog, please. Was it was it other than like that? Was it pretty clean, or did you feel like it was kind of overrun by people? No, it was pretty clean. The area that we were at, um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Other than the dog poop, <laughs> like sometimes you'll see like rocks or sticks or something like that. But right, it wasn't too bad. But along with the with that and the come prepared part, one of the sites I was looking at said. Ultraviolet radiation coming off the salt can be intense, so be sure to wear sunscreen and sun protective clothing. Be mm. aware that violent winds and storms can strike at all times of the year. So Interesting. it can get hot and the sand is very reflective. Yeah. Um, and I saw something else that said be sure to put sunscreen under your chin and on the bottom of your nose. Because oh like gosh. you don't really yeah. think about that part of your body when it's when the sun is reflecting up on you. Totally. So and keep probably like that the in palms mind. of your hands, because if you're yeah, like whatever, yeah, nothing's really safe from the sun above and the sun reflecting below. It's like um, the those tanning like reflectors that you yes, <laughs> they like yes, used exactly. in the fifties. And this time of year, and it is getting a little hotter right now. We're seeing some warmer temperatures, but like when we went out, like it was coolish and i think like right now is a good time to go because it's not super hot and um because it can just seriously get so hot there right um and really like when we've gone the few times that we've gotten it's not like you spend all day out there i feel like you go out there for maybe like 10 20 minutes run around and take some pictures and then get back right and then that's it yeah yeah but if you are going to be out there for a long time make sure you are prepared we have talked previously like in the utah lake episode about how the lakes in utah are a remnant of lake bonneville um which was a Pleistocene lake. So it dried up roughly 15,000 years ago. Um, But the salt flats are also a remnant of Lake Bonneville, obviously. That's where all the salt comes from. Yeah. So Lake Bonneville covered approximately two-thirds of Utah. And in the area of the salt flats, the lake was almost 1,000 feet deep. Wow. Which is pretty deep. It's a no big way. lake. <laughs> Holy. Yes. So as the lake disappeared over time, large concentrations of dissolved minerals were deposited in the soil that formed the watershed for the Bonneville salt flats. These minerals include gypsum, which is commonly used as a fertilizer and is used in plaster and drywall and like chalk. Mm. Like 
chalkboard chalk, um, and halite, which is table salt. Potassium and magnesium are also present in smaller concentrations. Near the center of the salt, the crust is almost five feet thick in places, and then it tapers off to less than like an inch on the edges. Hmm. So, (laughs) the total salt crust volume has been estimated at 147 million tons or 99 million cubic yards of salt. Oh my gosh. Which is, I can't even, I don't know what that is. (laughs) I can't picture that other than looking at the salt plots. (laughs) I remember learning, and I can't remember if this was a fact about the salt flats or the Great Salt Lake, or if it's even true, but I'm still going to say it. (laughs) I remember (laughs) learning that one or the other or both or whatever had enough salt to like sustain the world for like a million years or something. Like it was like a crazy, like the amount that the world consumes of salt each year. We could totally, like if someone was out there actually mining the salt, we could, um, we would have enough table salt for the whole world for like, for a thousand years. I don't know. It was something (laughs) Something crazy like that. that. And maybe this is all totally not true, but it's a cool fact that we can, we can spread. We're going to spread that around. (laughs) Anyway. It's totally true. Sounds like it. That's a lot. Sounds Um, like a lot. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is the area, um, the salt at the salt flats is approximately 90% common table salt. So, like, you Weird. can stick your finger down and taste it if you want to, and it just tastes like table salt. So, today, groundwater slowly flows towards the salt flats from the surrounding watershed, picks up dissolved minerals along the way, and percolates up to the surface via a shallow brine aquifer. If we Hmm. all know what that means. Um, But when temperatures rise in the late spring and summer months, the salty water rapidly evaporates in the heat and the minerals are left behind to form the salt crust. Right, right. Yeah. So during the cooler months of the year, November to May, evaporation slows down and the groundwater floods the salt flats several inches deep um, and wind periodic rainstorms and regional climate also play an important part in changing salt crust conditions throughout the year so that's where the crust kind of how it is a crust yeah the salt flats are about 12 miles long and five miles wide which is just over 46 square miles which is thirty thousand acres wow um and it's just it's pretty big like it's you you look at it and it looks big, but then once you like walk out there, you're like, I feel, I feel very small. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's just so much white flatness. <laughs> and you're like, wow, it just kind of goes for a while. Is it, um, is it like surrounded by mountains? There are mountains, I think, kind of to the north and to the west. Mm-hmm. But then it's pretty, I don't know. It's pretty flat. Pretty flat. Um, kind of to the east, or it takes a little while, I think, before you hit the mountains on the east. Right, right. And I, again, could be wrong about that. I may be remembering wrong. Yeah. Um, so also out there is something called the Bonneville Speedway. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. If you drive 
If you're at the rest stop and you drive west, like towards Wendover, you'll see signs for it. I think it's like exit four. Um, so it's a part of the salt flats that is marked out for motor sports. So many land speed records have been recorded there. Cool. The info on the history of this becoming a racing location comes from rodauthority.com, and I'm just going to read you what they say about that. The salt flats were first discovered to be drivable when a man by the name of Bill Rischel and two of his business partners drove a Peace Arrow, which is a car manufacturer, uh, across the salt in 1907. Soon after this test drive, word began to spread that Bonneville was drivable, and the first land speed record was set there in 1914 by American race car driver Teddy Tetzlaff, who is mm. well known for his Indy 500 racing fame. Tetzlaff would set this first record in a custom-built 200 HP car known as the Blitz and Benz. I know nothing about cars. Just no, but it sounds there. really fast. <laughs> sounds amazing. Yeah. Um, to set this record, Tetzloff was able to get the Benz up to 141.73 miles per hour wow. on the flats. So this wow. is in like 1914. Like That's insane. A 1914 car. They even have cars back then. <laughs> they did, and they were this racing This was the them. one car that they had. <laughs> this was it. That's And crazy. a Model T, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, despite Tetzlaff setting this land speed record, promoters had a tough time getting more drivers to attempt setting records at Bonneville. This proved to be a problem till the mid-1930s when a local Utah man by the name of Ab Jenkins mm-hmm. began setting long-distance and endurance records at the salt flats. Yeah. Yeah, Ab. Ab? Ab? <laughs> I want to say Abe, but it's just A-B, so maybe... I don't know. It was just A-B. It's just A-B, A-B. Jenkins. Jenkins got his start on the flats back in 1925 when a highway was being built. A friend who worked on the highway asked him to race against a Union Pacific Railroad train across the flats, and Jenkins won the race and beat the train by nearly five minutes. After this race, Jenkins became inspired to set land speed records of his own out on the flats. He also thought it would be a great place for other racers to come out and set records. However, he had a problem convincing racers to come out, since most of them preferred more established race venues. Jenkins kept setting his own endurance and land speed records at Bonneville, and in 1932, he was able to attract the attention of the car manufacturer, Pierce Arrow. Pierce Arrow was testing a new car at the time and had contacted Jenkins to see if he could improve the performance of it. He would drive the car as fast as he could at Bonneville for 24 hours straight to show how powerful and durable the engine is and prove to the racing world that Bonneville was indeed the place for land speed records. With the help of his friends, Jenkins ran the car on a 10-mile course that was set up at Bonneville. He would only stop every two hours, two hours, for oh fuel. Oh, my gosh. And he did during, this for 24 hours? <laughs> yes. Is he going, the, is it going in a circle? Wouldn't he be so dizzy? I, I, think, I don't know. Two hours of that? Whew. I guess 10 miles is like a pretty long yeah, circle yeah. or oval or whatever. Okay. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, he would stop the car every two hours for fuel, and during the 24-hour period, he never once left the driver's seat. Ouch. Oh, his, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. 
His average speed during the endurance test was an amazing record of 112.916 miles per hour. No. That's crazy. For, that's his average for that yeah. whole time. Ugh. I don't even... Whatever. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so that's how interest gained um, on racers coming to Bonneville Speedway. And now there is something called the Utah Flats Racing Association... And every year they host the World of Speed. Um, This year is the 34th annual, and it's currently set for September 2020. I don't know if that is still Hmm, going to happen. I don't know. It might. It might. Um, And then there every week or every year there is something called Speed Week, and that's in August, um, which is still currently scheduled. Um, and that is hosted by the Southern California Timing Association. And if I have this correct, I could have it wrong if anyone knows more details. But World of Speed is for more like experienced drivers. And then Speed Week is open to first time racers. Mm. But I think both events um, can have spectators if that's something you're interested in. I think there is a fee to get in. I don't know what right. that all looks like. But right. And as far as records go, the last outright record to be set at Bonneville Salt Flats was on October 23rd, 1970, when Gary Gabelix, I hope I said that right, rocket-powered Blue Flame peaked at 1,014.656 kilometers per hour, making him the first to exceed... 1,000 kilometers per hour, which is just over 630 miles per hour. What? No. So it's a rocket-powered That's crazy. Um, car, but isn't that crazy? Yes. 630 miles per hour. That's faster than, like, a commercial airplane, isn't it? Don't they go, don't like, know. 500, <laughs> like, maybe 600? I don't know. Maybe I'm making I'm that sure. up. I'm sure. I don't know. That's crazy. Wild. That's like on land. This is a land. I just can't fathom that. But I think Mm-mm. the salt has such, it's so good for racing because it kind of has a grip, you know, so you don't slide a lot. Oh, And so okay. that's why these records can be set. Right. Because it's just a really good place to drive fast. Wow. That's crazy. So there's also there's uh, there's also other events that go on at um, the Salt Flats, and you can go to the BLM website to see those. But some interesting ones were that there's something that is called the 100 mile endurance run, and the website said it was May first and second, which today is May first, and I'm not sure. If it is still happening, but it's a hundred mile run and like it goes up into Nevada a little bit. And so, and it starts and finishes at the same place on the flats, but like, I can't even imagine <laughs> doing a hundred wow. mile endurance run, but it'd be yeah. a cool place to do it. I mean, I don't know. Um, Would it this be time like- of year? Yeah, it'd be, good. It, it'd be like, I feel like it'd be really hot. And especially like we talk about like the reflective surface. Yeah, and maybe that's why it's like early May when it's potentially not as hot, but like we've not had a few hot days. And yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. So Interesting. Okay. I'm not sure if it's actually happening, but 
We'll cool. see. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of August, there is the U.S. National Flight Championships, which is put on by the National Archery Association. So it's an archery competition, which I was like, oh, that'd be so cool. And also very hot. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I just think archery on the salt flat, like a super flat surface. Yeah. It just, that would awesome. just look cool, I think. For sure. Um, so right now, geologists are studying the flats because there has been a decline in the size and quantity of the salt at the flats. Mm. And they're not super clear why this is happening. And there is kind of a debate over a few things. So for many years, salt has been taken by a company called Intrepid Potash. They're a mining company that extracts potassium from the brine underneath, uh, beneath the salt flats to create pota- potash, potash, which is mostly used in manufacturing. Then they pump the salt brine back onto the flats. But even with doing that, they have not seen an increase in the salt crust. And even the scientists are not sure why. So the Hmm. racing community kind of blames intrepid potash for the decline in salt crust and would like to see them like pumping more salt brine back um so it kind of oh (laughs) there's kind of a feud right now between the racing community and the potash company and then there's people who like question if like the racing on the salt is damaging the crest Um, right yeah but the the racing community counters that like the amount of damage that they are doing is way less than the potash company right so ideally anyone looked into morton salt (laughs) there is a morton salt um if as you're driving out to the the salt flats off the 80 you will see a morton salt uh factory i don't know what it's called which i didn't know was out there so i didn't know that either so they do get their salt from there they apparently do, or from the lake. I'm not um, sure. It is cl- closer to the lake than it is to the salt flats, so maybe they okay, get their okay. salt from the lake. But right. cool. I'm sure Morton Salt also has other locations. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. So, like, ideally, what we could do <laughs> is close off the flats for a few years, you know, let them kind of do their thing and see if we can monitor things but that's just never gonna happen right like there's no way they could close off the flats the racing community would be not cool with that well Um, also like how i mean obviously you could monitor it but didn't we just say there was like thirty thousand acres like how do you even like you'd have to have people out there monitoring it and enforcing it and Oh, for sure. And that's why, like, it's just not feasible. Like, I think that is probably, like, the best thing they could do to figure it out, but it's just not feasible that you can't do that. So, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on uh, with losing salt, but they're not Mm. exactly sure what is causing it. Okay. Um, But they're... Yeah, there is a Save the Salt Foundation. Um... And they want to both preserve the salt and preserve the history and the racing community at the salt flats. So, 
Okay, interesting. I don't know. I don't know what the answers are, obviously, but... Sarah, tell us. why. I don't, <laughs> I don't... know why you're withholding this information if you know <laughs> I'm gonna, how to save I'm them. I'm going to let it out someday. Let us know. Soon. When you're ready. Tell us. <laughs> when I'm ready. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's that. So also, when you're driving to the flats, you'll kind of see here and there like little art pieces <laughs> like there is a little sea monster sculpture like made out of tires at one point mm. um so little things here and there and um but before you get to the restaurant rest stop there is a giant sculpture which some of you may know what i'm talking about it's called the tree of utah or its full name is metaphor the tree of utah have you seen it? Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. No. <laughs> I will have you look that up um, at some point. But it's by a Swedish artist, Carl Momin, and it was dedicated in 1986. So he financed the project himself, and he built it from 1982 to 1986. And he said that the tree, quote, brings space, nature, myth, and technology together. So the cool. sculpture, and it's really, it's huge. Like you cannot miss it. Okay. I just <laughs> looked it up. I have yeah. seen pictures of this, but I've never, I mean, I've yeah. never been out there. Cool. Yeah. It's very stark because it's just massive and Nothing's around it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the sculpture, which is constructed mainly of concrete, consists of a squarish trunk holding up six spheres that are coated with natural rock and minerals native to Utah. There are also several hollow sphere segments on the ground around the base that symbolize the changing of the seasons. So the sculpture currently also has a fence surrounding the base to protect people from falling tiles, which we didn't stop oh my gosh. to look at it on the way there. And I saw the fence and I was like, is that to like keep people from climbing up? I mean, I wouldn't, I don't really know how they would climb up it, but that was my first thought. Right. But no, no, it is to protect them from falling tiles. Oh, bummer. I, yeah. I hope, I mean, I, can they just like go put more glue on it? <laughs> put, yeah. Put some more grout up there. I don't know. Yeah. But inscribed on the plaque, there's a plaque there, um, are the words from Ode to Joy by Friedrich Schiller, also used as the chorus of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, if you know the song. Um, and it has been said that Momin was moved to create the 87-foot-tall tree after having a vision of a tree while driving across the salt flats. Um, after the dedication, Momin donated the artwork to the state of Utah and returned to Sweden. So, wow, I find that kind That's of so funny. Nice. It's like, I created this, and now it's your problem. <laughs> you but deal with it. I'm out of here. It's, yeah, I'm out of here. But it is completely weird and cool um and just seriously you cannot miss it as you're driving out there very cool so that's awesome maybe we'll stop next time yeah there were don't a few people there and i wanted to social distance yeah don't yeah, go yeah. past the fence to be uh -huh. honest the fence kind of makes it lose its magic yeah some of these photos would be so much better without that fence i know so maybe someday yeah so do something. I don't know. Fix it or something. Yeah. Yeah. So several 
movies, TV shows, music videos, etc., have been filmed at the Bonneville Salt Flats. Wait, I wanted to ask you really quick. So the, oh. the Salt Flats go, they're not all in Utah, right? They go into Nevada and um, are they no. mostly, in, is it mostly in Utah? It's, as far as I know, it's all in Utah. Okay, okay. I didn't know if it went into Nevada or um, or California. For some reason, I mean, I guess that wouldn't make sense. No, it's just here. So yeah, if people want to film there, they do have to have permission. And I think it's through the Bureau of Land Management and I'm guessing with the Utah Film Commission. Um, but so recently... I don't know if you saw the ad for Dave Chappelle's Netflix special called Sticks and Stones. But it's just like him with Morgan Freeman doing a voiceover walking on the salt flats. Oh, no way. (laughs) Yeah. And it's obviously pretty recognizable. So we're like, Utah. Um, And obviously Independence Day was filmed at the salt flats. When Will Smith's character is like dragging the unconscious alien across the desert. I have not um, seen that movie in so long, but. Either have I. It's been many years. And I did not see the sequel, Independence Day Resurgence, but apparently that was also filmed at the Salt Flats. Um, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. Yes. Filmed there in that kind of weird scene with the boat on the Salt Flats. Mm-hmm. It's like. Johnny Depp or whatever is yeah there's like the crabs that are like carrying the boats so weird yes yep that's kind of when that show jumped the shark (laughs) right where it started getting weird yes um so apparently there's a scene in the movie Con Air which I've never seen that movie that was filmed there um but Nicolas Cage John Cusack John Malkovich are in the movie it came out in 1997 um also have you heard of the movie tree of life no i think brad yeah brad pitt is in it sean penn jessica chastain so it came out in 2011 i've heard of it had no desire to see it so i didn't (laughs) but um i guess sean penn's character like travels around the u.s and is at the salt flats for part of that okay um in 2014 there was an Aaron Paul movie called Need for Speed so of course it's about car racing there's a scene at the Salt Flats okay um and at the beginning of the series finale of Mad Men I don't know if you were a Mad Men watcher. I was. Okay, the beginning of the so series I, finale. But I don't, didn't remember this. T- like the last episode? I, so or the, the series, or the first series season. finale. Like the very last episode. I did oh. not remember this because it's been a long time. But Don Draper, played by yeah. John Hamm, is racing a 1970 Chevelle, Chevy Chevelle SS across the flats at apparently 130 miles per hour. Mm. Um, like, I guess... The story was like he knows about cars, but he funded this car person. I don't know. But so if you're watching Mad Men, check out the I series. I do not remember finale. that. I remember when he was like in that like rehab place and then he got. Yes, at the end. Yeah, the Coke commercial. Okay, but. Spoiler at the alert be- if you haven't seen. <laughs> but at the beginning. At, of I that think episode. it's like the very beginning. 
Okay. I feel like there was a lot of weird stuff at the end of Mad Men. So it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are just a few of the notable filming projects at the flats. There's been a bunch and like movies I hadn't really heard of, but I was like, Oh, weird. But anyways, (laughs) it is known to be a filming location. And I think a lot of people take cool photos out there. I've seen like cool wedding photos out there, dance photos. Yeah. All sorts of stuff. Just like, um, like Moab and Utah where it's like the red rock everywhere. It does feel like it's a different world. Yeah. It totally feels like you're on another planet almost. And so any photo you take there is going to be awesome. I feel like. Totally. But yeah. So yeah, that's what I have on the Bonneville Salt Flats. Awesome. Well, that is so cool. I really, since you've talked about them, I've been wanting to um, go and I, uh, anyway, we were, we were talking about maybe trying to go tomorrow. Um, Yeah, you totally should. Anyway, that's awesome that I, I need to go for sure. Yes. And my info that I use for this episode, mostly from Wikipedia, visit utah.com, rodauthority.com, blm.gov and the Sully trip so awesome yeah lots of interesting stuff yeah and just flats. so unique and weird and cool yeah and um, I think, but i want to go to the think, racing stuff i know the racing stuff sounds really interesting and i just don't think there's anywhere else in the u.s that has salt flats like this i could be wrong but yeah i think there's other places in the world that have yeah. Salt flats, but I think we might be the only place in the US. Very cool. So pretty unique, cool thing. Yeah, totally. Right here in our backyard, almost. L- literally in our backyard. Yes. Cool. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yes. Cool. That's awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for Getting your kids in the car and taking them out there and checking it out. Yeah. I love forcing my kids to do stuff. (laughs) It'll just continue until they're adults. (laughs) And even then. And beyond. (laughs) And beyond. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. You can find us on Instagram at Utah Famous. We have a Facebook page that you're welcome to join. We are on Twitter at Utah Famous Pod. And you are always welcome to email us at utahfamous at gmail.com with comments or suggestions for upcoming episodes or really anything you want. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. just let us know how you're doing. How are yeah. you surviving quarantine? Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> All right. <gasps> All right. Well, talk to you later, Jordan. (laughs) Bye, Sarah. Bye.